Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Expel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Marcus Ebner, head of multi-asset at Quoniam, the Frankfurt-based quant fund. In our conversation, Marcus and I discuss Quoniam's focus on news sentiment data and how he sees alternative data developing in Europe. In other news, I will be moderating a very well-informed panel about using data to understand geopolitical risk in the markets at Beryl Elites in New York on Tuesday the 21st of June. I hope to see many listeners there. So in this episode, I'm joined by Marcus Ebner of Quoniam. Thank you very much for joining today, Marcus. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Did I pronounce Quoniam right? Is it Quoniam? Yes. <laughs> Perfect pronunciation, yeah. It's Quoniam, excellent. Where's the, where, do you know where the name comes from? Uh, yeah, it comes from, from the Latin and means by, uh, yeah, why, because uh, it has a couple of uh, significance and uh, meanings. And uh, yeah, we were often asked why Quonium. And uh, the idea behind was that uh, we as quant always can uh, tell our clients where our forecasts are coming from, which data set has changed uh, so that the forecasts of our models did change. So it's causality, essentially. Yes. You're, that's what you're all about, causality. Nice. Like it. Um, so you are, so Quoniam Asset Management um, is based in Frankfurt. You're the head of multi-assets. You've been there for 13 years, six months. Um, could you perhaps, could you begin just by giving a little bit of a pen portrait of Quoniam and, and, and what the fund looks like and, and um, that kind of thing? Sure. Yes, Quonium was founded in 1999 and uh, is a pure quantitative asset manager. So we are in total about 130 people with our headquarter in Frankfurt and also a sales hub in London. So what we are doing is um, as a quant forecast, uh, single stock, single stocks and equities and fixed income and also multi-asset strategies and um, yes we are a pure quant so we are not a quantum mental but the dna from quonium is pure quantitative asset management Fantastic. And how big is the assets under management at the moment? So the assets under management are in total a little bit more than 25 billion and the portion of multi-asset is 3 billion. Fantastic. Okay. So um, let us talk alternative data. Um, I often start, Marcus, with a question. Where did you first come across the concept of alternative data and when? Yes, that's, uh, that's a good question. So um, we started almost a decade ago when Twitter became more and more popular. And uh, there came up the idea, why not analyze if we can derive from Twitter data or from Twitter data sentiment, better to say, uh, signals to yeah, forecast equity market, fixed income market, currency markets. And so we did our first step with Twitter, which was pretty good in a way that the data 
the unstructured data was already in a, in a pretty good structure. So you had good tagging about who is Twittering at which time. You had your 140 characters. So from yeah, backwards looking, it was a, a pretty easy data set to use at a good starting point to make the first experiences. Just, just, to, just to dwell on that quickly, because I've been very aware, actually, that it sounds like it sounds like you're saying 2012 or so. See, it seems to 2012 seems to have been a big year for Twitter data being used in finance, and that that, that goes either by investors like yourself discovering it, but also by companies um, springing up. Sesam is one in Paris, which which was created, I believe. 2012 as a as a Twitter sentiment indicator. Eagle Alpha started in 2012, I believe, initially as a kind of Twitter, you know, using that as a data source. So it, so uh, something happened in 2012 which made everyone go Twitter, data, finance, let's go type thing. Um, but how I've never actually delved into exactly how it would work. Would you um, would you know? So you say you're you. It tells you who is tweeting and saying what. Are you? why would you be interested in what a specific person was saying? Would you be going for the kind of the CEO of Shell and what they're saying on a subject? How would you mind that? No, no, we we didn't took it from that way because this would be more forecasting for like single securities of if the CEO of a company tells something which uh, should impact uh, the price of of those companies. But uh, from multi-asset, what we are doing is to forecast markets and uh, so for example the development of the european stock markets or like the japanese bond market and um, we're trading our forecasts uh, on futures so what we uh, what we did is just yeah to collect um, the sentiment of tweets of people uh, which we detected like a financial expert. So we made more or less by hand a list of people, of hundreds of people, uh, which are working in the finance industry. And then we just collected those tweets to specific topics, derived the sentiment data with uh, NLP algorithms out of those tweets. And then, uh, yeah, aggregate those uh, sentiment on a daily basis. And then, yeah try to forecast uh, the markets like in France, for France company, uh, French companies or um, mm. for the US. Interesting. So what you're describing is is sometimes colloquially known as FinTwit, which is the finance financial um, cognoscenti of, of Twitter. It strikes me 2012, one thing that was happening then was the, the European debt crisis. Um, and Fintuit was was having a having a bit of a field day in terms of people having an awful lot of opinions about mm-hmm. how this sovereign debt crisis was going to play out, and also mm-hmm. a lot of opinions about um, uh, Arbonomics was coming fairly soon yeah. as well. I feel like twenty to thirteen or fourteen, perhaps. But um, so, do you think that might have triggered it? Do you reckon that was that was the the thing that actually Fintuit? was really getting going and having some interesting conversations and various people were thinking maybe we can use that to to um to, to turn it into a quant strategy definitely definitely that's what i wanted to say with yeah, twitter becomes more and more popular in a way that more people are be aware, aware of those of those tweets on what people are twittering and mm. yeah it was a yeah interesting research area for us for sure, it was a, it was it was just great to read as well. You know, yeah. it's it just a, an interesting <laughs> as a consumer as well, just reading. Uh, it. Um, 
But so, um, okay, brilliant. So that's your that's your starter pack. You've started off with Twitter. You thought, okay, um, what with hindsight turned out to be easy data, probably at the time wasn't because you weren't set up to use it. You learned, I imagine, a lot of a lot of lessons um, yes. back then. Um, how did how did your how did your journey progress? So yeah, after uh, analyzing Twitter and learning, yeah, where do we work uh, with those data better in the cloud than on your local computer? Uh, yeah, got a, a lot of understanding uh, about NLP algorithms and yeah, how we can uh, use unstructured data. The outcomes were a little bit disappointing in a way that uh, on one side we learned a lot, on the other side <laughs> we didn't uh, got, got, got a proper forecasting model or something like that. And so uh, at one point we we, we stopped the analysis analysis of uh, of Twitter data, but got an understanding if we might use different data, which is not based on tweets but more on news article data. Um, this could uh, could give us an edge in a way of uh, progressing and uh, developing new strategies. Fantastic. So you move from Twitter into into the news article business um, and you've pretty much there you have remained since. Is that is that right? That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, we, we analyzed a couple of, of data providers providing different sets of news article data. And in the end, we came up with uh, with a couple of providers which we're using now uh, to run a strategy which is purely based on unstructured data on those new articles uh, data and uh, this uh, i'm very excited about that because uh, in the non-hedge fund industry but in the quant or fundamental uh, uh asset management industry, uh, that's quite unique. Uh, haven't found yet any other provider who's doing that and who's a, a non-hedge fund provider. And so we are live with this strategy since the beginning of the year. And yeah, we're quite happy with that. Fantastic. So um, what are you receiving and what, so where do you see yourself as uh, providing the, uh, as doing the work essentially? We've talked, mm. we've talked offline a little bit about, yeah. um, the fact that you're not necessarily receiving the the or you may also be receiving the text but you're also receiving sentiment scores from mm. these from these alternative data providers you're turning a substance into gold um mm. which how are you how is that process happening <laughs> how is the process so what we are receiving is very detailed uh, data from our data providers regarding uh, the news articles the url uh, a lot of tagging uh, in a sense is this uh, article about european union or us a lot of tagging about the institutions those providers take more than like give more than like 50000 tags to each article uh, a couple of of, of those uh, out of those 50000 uh, tags and um, they also give us a variety of sentiment scores. So, uh, as you mentioned, we already talked a little bit off the record. There's even one provider offering more than 800 sentiment scores. And our edge is uh, to filter out of the, all those news article data, those data which seems to us relevant to aggregate those data to topics, to aggregate those topics to major themes, and then to derive from the sentiment of those major themes 
forecasts for a total more than uh, uh, 30, um, 30 markets. Around the world? Around the world, yeah. Yeah, like European equities, like uh, Japanese bonds, like we also do currencies like Swiss franc, uh, whatever. Um, and so those themes are, um, how often does a the theme change, do you think? How often, how many themes would you have in a year? So oh, we, we try to keep that pretty stable. So the idea behind is uh, if we run an analysis, we build a setup, we keep out an out-of-sample period. And uh, then if we are really having much confidence in this new strategy, in this new model, uh, we we then yeah just try to keep those or not try to keep we keep those models stable. Of course, we do a continuous check if the model is still running appropriately, um, and uh, from time to time we do uh, changes. But in these models, but it's more on like a yearly basis. It's more like the continuous research process of a quant asset manager and not in a way like, oh, this topic didn't work in the last three months. Oh, we have to change this topic. And um, yeah, for us, coming back to uh, to the strategy we de developed, uh, we, we uh, took the period until end of 2019 as an in-sample period, built our model, and kept the rest of the data for the out-of-sample test. And uh, after having like one and a half year out-of-sample data, uh, we yeah, checked if, if, if this model worked. And during this period, there was corona, and the model yes. uh, yeah, predicted perfectly uh, uh, the, uh, the development of corona. So we were, have very much confidence. After this, after this really hard out-of-sample test, we really had so much confidence that this works and this makes sense um when we're talking we're using we're using sample data so um let us say and i'll uh, you're training a model essentially to on on data all the way up to 2019 mm -hmm. and then what you're describing is that when uh it just so happens so did you make this decision before you knew anything about corona yeah of course this, of course we did this, yeah yeah of course okay so so before and then so you've trained the model and you're like right now let's just uh let's put it to work and see if it see if it uh see if it can predict and just at that moment when you'd set it to work pretty much uh coronavirus landed which meant that the world entirely changed and your model nevertheless was able to track the incoming news of this you know crazy china pandemic etc and actually predict the fluctuations that would result in the in the in the financial markets as a result of it and so your model was 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 pretty damn good yeah say. very nice so um what uh so how long how long do you expect that to last how long how long so having done that to 2019 um and then you had a nice a nice period of it of it of it functioning how long then before you expect to have to come up with a new one? So, yeah, what we're doing is continuously uh, research uh, about uh, yeah, new data sets and we check a couple of data sets each year. And then, yeah, if, if we find additional information in new data sets, uh, we uh, yeah, en enrich our existing model. And uh, as we are live since the beginning of the year now, uh, I would expect like in, in, in a year or nine to 10 months to come up with a new model update, which will be, yeah, 
just like an, an enhancement or improvement of the existing model, but uh, not in a way that it changes the model totally. So data sets, what do you look for in an alternative data set? What do you like and, um, and uh, uh, compared to the types of data sets that you might discard? We like very much data sets where we can get at the best all data from the news article. So in a way, we want to read the articles. Of course, we don't do every, every article of those hundreds of thousands of articles coming in every day. But we, mm. we of course, do checks about uh, if the taxonomy properly, if, if for example, is an article... Uh, tagged as an article about business. Is this article really about business? Uh, we check for the sentiment scores. So we need really detailed information about the articles uh, because we, we read them and do our tests on yeah, some, some amount of those articles uh, to get really confidence. What we don't like are already aggregated sentiment scores of data providers or yeah, every kind of aggregation uh, we don't look at. Okay. Uh, how do you begin? How, so how do you look for an alternative data provider? How do, you, how do you keep abreast of the potential market that you could be using? Yeah, of course, we test, uh, we, we f first have a look about uh, which type of data uh, the provider is offering, uh, how many clients uh, already exist, is this just yeah, like uh, one person company. Then maybe the, the, the data set uh, also be okay, however, you can't be sure as an asset manager that this uh, one person company will survive. And so... Uh, you can't be, be sure that uh, if you implement it in your existing strategy, that will go further mm -hmm. also the next month, weeks, or year. And then you're getting in trouble if, if those companies uh, diminish. What do, you, uh, what do you see as the biggest risk? So would you, would you be incredibly, you're probably incredibly careful with all of these risks, but the, presumably there's a, there's a compliance risk in terms of are they collecting the data, right? There's a kind of regulatory risk, particularly the fact that you're based in Europe, size risk as well. If it's, if it's a kind of, you know, a small data provider, which has only existed for six months and it's one guy who may wander off and, and do something else. Um, how, do you, how do you prioritize your risks and, and, and the structure for that? So I would say we have, first of all, a threshold. So the size of a company, amount of uh, existing clients of a company, and uh, if uh, the size of the company and... Uh, to be honest, all those regulatory risks, we, we, we like to check out in the appropriate department at Quonium. So we, we as fund managers <laughs> do that not on our own, but we check this in advance mm -hmm. before onboarding a new, uh, a new data services from a new provider. Do you, um, are you a, are you a, a passionate, uh, you're a nationalist in terms of, <laughs> do you have a, do you have a preference for European providers and, and kind of European space? Or would you go to America first? Because that's the place where alternative data ha happens more. Uh, I would say, uh, personally, uh, we are we're with, the, with the trend. We are very diverse <laughs> and, uh, and looking not only for European providers, but for yeah, providers with the, uh, the best data set, which suits the best uh, into our existing model. Or if, if we at one day will uh, decide to um, build new models, um, 
a new database for for good new model. Are there extra challenges with somewhere like Japan, um, perhaps linguistic, or or perhaps the fact that Japan is in some ways quite a closed market um, in many ways? Do you do you have to find a Japanese data provider for that, or, or can you get that elsewhere? Uh, we can get that elsewhere because uh, some of the data providers already do automated translation of those news article data into English and then run their NLPs over those uh, English translated articles and then derive the sentiment scores from that. But you're touching a good point because what we have seen, especially in emerging markets, uh, we are struggling a little bit about it. We're not talking about Japan, but other countries. Um, we're struggling a little bit, little bit about to find proper news article data because quality is not yet that good that we that we can uh, derive forecasting models for for a couple of countries. Is there not a cultural aspect that comes into this in terms of if so if you are going into, for example, U.S. news articles and understanding mm-hmm. and extracting extracting sentiment from them for perhaps then even i mean this is the this is almost the most similar version but the us and the uk have perhaps different choice of language um and perhaps a a a brit would be a little bit less effusive than an american Mm -hmm. about a a subject you know that 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 and that they were you know they were Mm -hmm. one country 300 years ago um Mm -hmm. is there not a cultural problem of then trying to put the same model to work on on for example a japanese Mm -hmm. newspaper or, or a chinese newspaper um and 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 draw the same inferences and lessons from these different cultural places mm. so generally speaking you're right however you can strip that out with uh, nlp techniques or just with with like quant techniques so that if you're having a, a country where the tone is less com- compared uh, the average tone is a little bit less compared to other countries you can standardize that and um yeah go more for like uh, how the tone changed and not how the average level or the, the total level of the tone is. Um, how do you feel, how do you see um, the European alternative data market uh, developing perhaps in comparison to the US? It's, it's, it's come from behind. It has unique challenges, um, mm-hmm. for example, different languages, um, okay. different, to an extent, different jurisdictions, um, etc. How do you see the European um yeah market for data developing mm. compared to to the us mm. i would say generally speaking uh, it's catching up um however i'm not the specialist for like uh, alternative data in total so we are focusing at this point on uh, news article data also uh, analyze data from social media but uh, to be honest, I don't know uh, how the world changes in like geographical data or things like that. But for news article data, I think uh, we're catching up here in Europe and uh, we can, they are already good providers with good quality data. Okay. Um, do you feel, so you have, as Quonium, you have decided to, make this your niche to an extent you've 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 started with twitter you've gone into the new sentiment data you've said this is what we're going to get really good at um do you see yourselves um do you see yourselves like that do you see yourselves as that's your edge against your peers is that you have put those eggs into that basket and so you can keep 
keep focusing like that or do you or is it just that's the way it's worked out and and at some point you'll wander off and and, and explore other things as well or is it a is it a conscious choice that we are going to be the best at this hmm. yeah, definitely it's always uh important for a quant manager to yeah um to put your resources into the right research projects. And we are pretty happy that we early started with uh, those research resources putting on uh, alternative data, as we have seen there. There is new information, and especially in the quant database, as so many people already working on those, in parentheses, uh, traditional data like earnings price ratios or, or, or things like that. So to, to be ahead the curve is essential to onboard uh, new data, new data sources, uh, which is not used by yeah the broad community. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, everyone is using uh, the data, and there will you, you find fi won't find any yeah value added what you're doing compared to others. If you were to if you were to change tack or, or expand your your focus a bit, have you mm. have you got a view of what would be next? Um, what could you could what what could be the next step that you could expand into? I think the next uh, step would be like yeah, focusing a little bit more on uh, emerging markets. As as already told, we haven't seen yet uh, not a good uh, data quality yet. So, but we are uh, looking forward also to do, to run forecast models for those markets. I think uh, yeah, working with the taxonomy of uh, the news article data is also essential for us to create for those data sets who have not yet a good taxonomy uh, to improve those taxonomy and uh, I think what's going or getting also in our focus is more is, is also like sentiment of audio or video files uh, which is it's coming up in the last uh, uh, in the last uh, month and years, and this is from our perspective also an interesting field here to to put an energy on. Well, so the one that I've had on the podcast is um, Helios Life, um, who do audio NLP um, on earnings calls um, primarily initially. Um, do. So it strikes me that the earnings call hasn't been your focus up to now. Um, would you be, what would be the news equivalent? Would you, would it be doing tonal NLP on, on kind of news, you know, Bloomberg news or whatever the, the, the anchorman speaking about X, Y, Z, or, or how would, how do you think, how do you see it entering your world or would you be entering the earnings world? Do you think? Hmm. So we already have those earnings world in our data because uh, yeah people also write about uh, but uh, yeah from those new article news articles data you may not get out uh, yeah like the gesture or like the the, the voice of, of of the person speaking so that's what you're not get and this may add information also to um uh, to to the forecasts. Um, what do you see as the? Uh, I don't know if you're if you can say, but what do you see as the major themes at the moment? Is 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 Russia Ukraine um, playing largely into your into your thinking, or is it is that not really touching your world? 
Yes, yes, it, it it's definitely touching our uh, our world. Uh, as an example, so in our uh, forecasting models for uh, for for the bond markets, uh, since the beginning of the year, we have a short duration position because a lot of negative sentiment came from the topic inflation. But starting in the mid of uh, like February, um, more and more negative articles came up about fears of the Ukraine war. And those uh, brought our model to switch from the short duration position into a long duration position because um, uh, the amount of news articles about yeah, fear of, 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 of war uh, were so overwhelming. And as an investor, by nature, you, you search for the safe uh, haven of the bond market. And so we turned into a long position in, in duration and uh, hold that for like one and a half week. And then um, yeah, the sentiment of the inflation become again overwhelming and we turned it again in the in, in a short duration position and that was great because yeah it captures the dynamics of the markets fears came up Beautiful. in general you have inflation but fears came up about war then you switch into bonds that holds for a week or two after the first yeah uh after the first or the start of the conflict and then the old fears came back is is cash an option in the model? Can it can it say let's just yes. get out of here? This is too scary. <laughs> cash is definitely an option, and at that point we are pretty neutral in all our forecasts about currencies, uh, uh, equity markets, and bond markets. And so at that point today we are pretty much pretty close to cash position. Uh, However, the yeah, the, the the forecast horizon is more like a couple of days. We're not talking about that's our expectation of the next three weeks. So it's more the expectation about the next three three four days. Say it like that. So there, I saw um, just this week. I saw uh, the FT had an interesting thing with Martin Wolf um, mm -hmm. interviewing uh, Olivier Blanchard, who is the former chief economist at the IMF, and he was saying. Um, he had predicted the inflation that, that we're seeing now, and he had also predicted that it was going to be brief. And he is still saying that it's going to be brief. And actually, this is all going to pass, and we're going to go back to the world, the problems we were facing before about um, low inflation and aging and secular stagnation, all those things. And actually, this is just a brief post-COVID blip, essentially, yeah. and we're going to go back. Yes, that uh, uh, definitely uh, makes sense. Uh, the difference is that these forecast horizons, uh, he's talking about, about more like in what's coming up in the next month. What we derive from those news article data is more what comes up in the, in the next couple of days. So I think that's a major difference. Interesting. So that's what I was going to ask. When could your when would your model be able to tell us whether Olivier is right or not? And it would be last minute, essentially. Mm -hmm. it, it, you're 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 essentially forecasting a, a kind of a day or two in the future, rather yeah. than be able to say, "Look, don't worry about it. This inflation thing's passing." Definitely. Do you believe anyone when they when they when they claim to be able to look beyond? But this is a personal question. Do you believe that anyone can look further than a day or two? Oh. Uh... <laughs> That's a kind of a, philo a philosophical question, and uh, not knowing the answer is what what me brought personally to being a quant, <laughs> because I love to work with uh, with hard numbers, with facts, 
and uh, we we have shown that we can predict uh, markets and 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 stocks and bonds uh, with our forecasting horizon on which the models are fit are fitted and i started my work at uh, a fundamental fund manager and i was a quant uh, consultant at this quant uh, a fundamental fund manager and after a couple of years, after two or three years, I got the understanding. I, I maybe not believe that much in fundamental asset management, but uh, more in quant asset management. Because fundamental asset management has too much human in it. Yeah, I think uh, at at the end, uh, yeah, humans are getting in, the, in their uh, their information from yeah what they're reading, what they're seeing, and so on. And uh, this is always limited, as uh, a person can't read like uh, ten thousand newspaper every day. And so his view or her view is always be restricted to to the information uh, the person got at that point. And I think it's more appropriate, that's probably most quants will say, to do it in a systematic way, not reading like uh, 10 years papers, but analyzing more than 100,000 articles every day and derive from this information, yeah, long, short positions in your strategies. But every quant model can break and every quant model can have a really good six, nine, 12 months and then something changes and has a terrible year or two, as we saw as some of the some of the big hedge funds who've done very well, who did very badly for the last two or three years have had a very good first first uh, five months of this year. Um, is there the flexibility that the human, uh, do you think potentially that it, it would take a human to be able to nimbly change with every market um, and change their mind and move with it. And and, uh, and as of right now, a, a quant will struggle with that. I think that holds a little bit more in the in parentheses in the old quant world where you analyzed and uh, have seen that like, yeah, a good PE ratio for a company will also follow, follow for a positive performance in the next month. So this holds for like a, a decade and then you have a structural break and then these quant models have the tendency to struggle in in those uh, yeah, market uh, market breaks um however uh, especially with those news article data the philosophy is that uh, yeah markets are driven by emotions and we can cap- capture those emotions uh, systematically by analyzing and deriving signals from those news article data. And so we have very high confidence that especially in turbulences, these markets, these models will work. And the, the best example was the start of the new fund, with, uh, uh, which we launched in uh, the beginning of the year. And you have seen the equity markets down 15%, the bond markets down 10% globally. We are up 3%. And that even as uh, as we are having uh, strategic long positions in equities of more than 20%, uh, a strategic long position in duration. So uh, against those all turbulences at the markets, we uh, produce positive return. And that's the philosophy. And that's what I personally believe that uh, this kind of, of, of new quant um, forecasting 
um, is a very interesting um, interesting thing. Marcus, on that tour de force, I think that's a brilliant positive note on which to end. Congratulations, by the way. That sounds like yeah, thank a you. Like very good result. <laughs> uh, and um, and thank you very much. It's been a it's been a really interesting uh, conversation. And um, and yeah, best of luck with the uh, with the with the coming year. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Have a nice day.